0: Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and I'll read the first three verses for us now, as we prepare to hear from Rich Sylvester, as he helps us understand and gain wisdom about one of the key relationships between parents and their kids. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land.
1: Well, as we start to examine the relationship between parents and children, uh, I just wanted to share one of my favorite sites online. I don't do a lot on social media. I don't do a lot online. But I do follow one site on Instagram called Teenager Pro Tips. Sort of the, the life tips that a teenager would give you. And really, this is just a a bunch of parents uh, sending in some funny things that make parents of teenagers laugh. For example, uh, a teenager pro tip. Tidy your room by putting all your clean clothes in the wash. Can anybody relate to that one at home? Here's another teenager pro tip. Set many early morning alarms five minutes apart and then get up sometime after the last one. I'm always walking upstairs with alarms going off in every room, yet every boy is still asleep in their bed. I don't quite get it. Teenager pro tip. Here's another one. Slowly transfer all the dishes from the kitchen to your room. Have you ever wondered where all the spoons in your house go? Start looking in the couch. You'll find them there. I really think so. I don't need a website to remind me of the humor of parenting. One uh, day after one of our chapel family picnics, I was driving in here to work, and I noticed something in the parking lot. And as I drove closer, I realized some child had left their backpack and water bottle in the parking lot. And as I drove closer, I thought, how did they go to school today? And then I realized, that's my son's backpack and water bottle (laughs) in the parking lot. Teenager pro tip, you don't need to worry about your school bag ever, anytime, ever. Well, and the other day I was in our, our garage. Uh, we call it our man cave. I have three boys. We put a TV out there uh, with a video game system. Oh, they flashed it a little earlier than I wanted, but that's okay. And um, I was looking for the remote in the couch, and when I pulled back all the cushions from the couch, I, I found all the fruit snack wrappers. Teenager pro tip, you don't need a garbage can if you have a couch cushion to hide it in. Am I the only one raising slobs or can anybody else? Oh my gosh, the Smethers are like, yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, (laughs) uh, Teenager pro tip, sometimes in parenting, all we can do is laugh. We shake our head, we, we laugh at our kids, we laugh at ourselves But if we're honest, when we think about the relationships between parents and children, there's a lot more emotions that come to the surface. Sometimes parenting can be extremely painful and unpredictable. Trips to the emergency room, broken hearts and teenage love, all sorts of realities that that bring out all sorts of emotions. It's difficult Parenting can often bring us to the end of ourselves where we just say, I don't know how to do this anymore. There was no manual for this part of the job. Yes, parenting can be a roller coaster of emotions and feelings through all the different stages and seasons of our child's life. But I also want to pause and just acknowledge that as we talk about the relationship between parents and children, and children and parents, there's a lot of other pain that can surface as well. In our chapel family, we have parents that have been unable to have children. We have parents that have lost a child. We have parents that are no longer in relationship with one of their children. And when it comes to thinking about parents, that too can create a lot of pain. Some of us had a a dearly loved parent that we lost too early in life. And some of us had parents that caused an immense amount of pain. And so I just want to acknowledge that as we dive into these little four verses in Ephesians that say so much about this relationship between parents and children, I just want to say I acknowledge that it can surface all sorts of emotions. And we want to be a chapel family that walks with you, and through, uh, with you through all these emotions. So please let us know how we can help you and serve you in these various Seasons. But as we jump into these four verses in Ephesians chapter 6, I'd love it if the Bible was open in front of you. You can find these Bibles under the seats in front of you. We're we're in Ephesians chapter 6, we're on page 979 of the Red Bibles provided. Four little verses, but I think they say a lot. And as we dive into them, I just sort of want to give a big umbrella statement. That as we look at Ephesians, Paul is saying something that that affects all of our relationships. Paul is saying in Ephesians that when we experience the sacrificial love of Jesus, we are then able to love others sacrificially. When we experience the sacrificial love of Jesus... He makes us able to love others sacrificially. And whether we're talking about parent-child relationships or child-parent relationships, or we're talking about marriage relationships or sibling relationships or relationships within the church or within our community, this truth remains the same. That when we experience the sacrificial love of Jesus, we are then able to love sacrificially. And so as we consider parents and children, we know that there's this overarching principle that seasons those relationships even as it seasons others. But for now, let's dive into these four verses. First thing that Paul has to say as as he talks to children and parents is he says this. He says, children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Now, before I dive into that verse a little bit deeper, I just want to say this. It's amazing that Paul is even addressing children. In the day and age that Paul is writing, children would have been pushed to the side. Children were seen as property. Children were often seen as a nuisance. My own grandmother used to say, children should be seen and not heard. In Paul's day and age, children were pushed even farther to the fringes. But here, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, as he writes and addresses them in the middle of a worship service, Paul addresses children directly. He's saying, You're included in this family. That is, the church is formed, that is, Jesus' family on Jesus' mission is created. Here, children have a place at the table, children have a seat in the room. And so for all of you kids out there, I want to say I'm so glad you're with us. I'm so glad historians consider that nearly 40% of the early church was made up of kids. We need our kids. We love our kids. Our kids are part of worship and liturgy and a part of this body. The children Paul says this, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. That when we obey our parents, we are acknowledging that God is God and that he has given us our parents to nurture us and guide us and lead us. And when we obey our parents, we are not just trusting our parents, but we're trusting God. But I'll be honest with all the kids out there. Obedience isn't always fun. And it's not always easy easy. And, and sometimes we, we come home from school and we say things like, yeah, but my one friend gets to do this. And my one friend already has a phone. Why can't I have a phone? My one friend gets to stay up past nine. My, they, this family, they do things this way. And when we question what's happening in our home, but, but the scripture is clear. Little children, obey your parents that in obeying our parents even when it's no fun and even when it's not easy we're saying in essence I trust you God I trust you God that you are working through my parents to lead me in the right direction and I promise you kids out there and online your parents are doing the best they can we didn't grow up with phones I didn't grow up with a phone I don't know what it's like to have a computer in your pocket at all times I didn't even get a computer until I was in high school. And it was a Tandy. It came from Radio Shack. You don't even know what Radio Shack is. We're trying the best we can. And scripture says, little children, obey your parents. But one of the questions I ask myself as I consider this scripture is, what about me as a 45-year-old? Both my parents are still living I'm sure my mom will be listening to this tomorrow morning. Hey, mom. Do I have to obey them? Paul continues in verse 2, and he says, Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, Paul knows that there is a transition from obedience That the reality is, is that as kids, we don't have to obey our parents forever, but we do have to honor them. Paul brings us back to the Ten Commandments, to the Ten Foundational Commandments that God gave his people for a society, for a community that was flourishing and whole. And God commanded his people and said, honor your father and mother. But notice what... God didn't say, He didn't say, obey your father and mother. He didn't say, love your father and mother. He didn't say, trust your father and mother. He didn't say, you have to admire your father and mother. But God said that as a foundational principle of our community, we must honor our father and our mothers. And I think it's a very important word. Because the truth is, we don't all have parents that we can trust. We don't all have parents that we can admire. There are some parents that have wounded their children greatly. But at a foundational level, level, God's command is that we honor our father and our mother. That honor means that we treat them with dignity and respect. Honor means that we hold a long-term loyalty to them. And so one of the questions I have for any of us, whether we're a young child or an old child like me, are we honoring our parents? And what can that look like when you're a 45-year-old? Maybe it means I need to call my mom more often than I do. Maybe it means I need to send them cards on their birthdays and anniversaries because after all, I expect them to send me mine with that $50 birthday check. Maybe it means that I call my dad up when I'm going through a major decision and I say, Dad, I'd like your advice. I may not take it, but I want to listen to it. I want to hear it. I want to give you an opportunity to speak into my life. What can honoring our parents look like as adult children? Maybe it means we celebrate them. Maybe it means we we take a moment to say, Hey, Mom, thanks for giving me a love for God's creation. Thank you for making me curious about the different birds that landed on the bird feeder and the different flowers that would pop through the snow in the spring. For making me attentive to God's detail and design in creation. Maybe it means saying to our dad, hey dad, and I'm talking to you mom and dad when you listen to this tomorrow. Hey dad, thanks for showing me how to love strangers. Thanks for showing me how to make somebody uh, that we've just met feel important and seen and heard. When we tell our parents the ways they've influenced our lives for good, it honors them. How could we honor our Moms and dads, say thank you, apologize. Maybe you have a teenager now and you're going, man, I bet my parents had a lot of sleepless nights. They put a lot of miles on the car driving me from soccer game to soccer game. Thanks, mom and dad. Scripture says that a foundational component to our community See, we would honor our fathers and our mothers. We don't have to love them or trust them. We don't have to be, uh, we don't have to show admiration or or any of those verbs. It's, we've got to honor them. Regardless of the parents they were, we honor them. So Paul says, little children, obey your parents. Paul says, grown-up children, honor your father and mother. And then Paul dives in to parenting parenting realities with one verse that as we study it, I think packs a punch. Verse 4 reads like this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're going to take this verse in five little sections because I think this verse says a lot about parenting. Whether we're parenting little kids or whether we're parenting adult kids, we never stop parenting, right? And so let's look at these together. The first thing that Paul says is fathers do not... Now uh, that may not at first seem like a very surprising reality but Paul is writing in a time and place where fathers had all the power in the home they were the absolute authority in Roman law it was called the patria potestas the patria potestas which basically meant that fathers could do anything they wanted to do you could sell your child you could enslave your child You could tell your child what they would be when they grew up. You could pick your your daughter's husband. You had all the power to have all the say in your child's life. And Paul does something very interesting when he addresses parents. His first words are, do not. To a culture where a father could do anything he wanted, Paul says, do not. Because Paul is saying, you are not the final authority in your child's life. Paul is saying, parents in this family, in this church, in Jesus' family, Jesus is the ultimate father. You are not. And so as parents, you need to first take a posture that says, Jesus, I surrender to you. That I see myself as a steward of my child and not their absolute authority in their life. And so God, lead me, guide me, enable me to have the patience and the love and the grace that I need. This first three words says to every parent, pray. Pray. Whether your child is six months old or six years old or 45 years old, pray. Pray for wisdom and guidance and care that you would be able to steward your child, that you would be able to love and forgive and guide your child in the way that God wants you to. Yes, those first three words cause us as parents to pray. And I would say that I am learning in my own life, I don't pray nearly enough for my kids when I see all that they're experiencing and the world around them, I just think I need to pray more. Susie and I need to pray more. We pray, but Paul goes on. He says, fathers, do not, and then he says, provoke your children to anger. Fathers, parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Well, that raises a good question. Can I never make my children upset? No, that is not what Paul's saying. You are allowed to upset your children. In fact, if you're not making your kids angry at you sometimes, you're probably not parenting them. That two year old, can I have a lollipop? No. I hate you, right? No, of course we're going to make our children upset. Of course we're going to make our children angry. But Paul is talking about a deeper, lifelong frustration. A deeper, lifelong pain and hurt that we can cause in our children. A resentment that builds in them and creeps in them in their everyday life. Paul is in essence saying, parents, don't forget... You can hurt your kids. And let's just be honest. We will hurt our kids. We do hurt our kids. And so I believe the practical application to these few words in Scripture is this. As parents, we need to apologize to our children as parents, we need to be able to recognize when we have messed up and say those powerful words, I'm sorry. Tucker, I'm sorry I got so loud last night. I was frustrated and I did not show self-control and I was too loud with you. Wyatt, I am sorry. I told you we were going to do something today and we never made t- I never made time for it. I'm sorry that I didn't do something that I said I would do. I bet that hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. That as parents, we have to own the mistakes that we've made. We won't be perfect parents. We can't be perfect parents. But we can certainly be parents that apologize. And I'm even convinced that some of you that are older, whose kids have grown up, maybe you have grandchildren now, It's never too late to own your mistakes. It's never too late to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that thing I did. I'm sorry for the way I was in that season of our life. I'm sure that impacted you. As parents, we pray. As parents, we apologize. But Paul goes on. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Bring them up. Three simple words. Often in Scripture, this has to do with nourishing. This has to do with providing food for a child. Paul is saying that one of our tasks as parents is to raise our children to become adults. Functioning adults. That part of our job is to raise our kids up. That when we strap that little helpless baby into the car seat of our car for the first time, that we imagine that someday that that kid is going to go off to college, and that helpless little eight-pound bundle is going to be able to do his own laundry, and make his own mac and cheese, and deal with a professor in college that's frustrating and hard, and navigate social relationships, and figure out how to jumpstart their car when the battery dies... That somehow, our job is to move this kid from complete dependence to independence. It's a balance. You can throw that slide up there of that dependence and independence. On one side, our kids are completely dependent on us. On one side, our job is to support and care for our kid completely. But on the other side... We've got to learn to let our kids fail. We've got to learn to let our kids make their own decisions, even if they're not the decisions that we want them to make. Because one day they're gonna go off to college and they're gonna have to figure out these things on their own. I'm amazed to hear that a lot of colleges and universities are hiring staff teams just to deal with parent phone calls. And when I asked some of my friends in higher education, I said, what kind of phone calls are colleges getting? Phone calls like this. Hey, my son hasn't made it to any of his 8 o'clock classes. Can you make sure you wake him up for school every morning? Hey, my son says he hasn't done his laundry for two months. Is there any way that we can get someone to do my kids' laundry? It's comical, but it's a reality that in our life, we hold on to our kids so tightly that we don't let them learn to navigate the realities of life that they need to learn. We don't let them mess up and get in trouble and get stuck and figure those things out on their own. We try to shelter them from pain and hardship. But as my dad always said, eh, the world's filled with pain and hardship. we got to let them learn to navigate those things. And so it becomes a balance This summer, Hudson had earned enough money, he was 15 this summer, to buy his own jet ski. A 23-year-old jet ski. And Susie and I were trying to figure out, do we put our 15-year-old on a jet ski and just let him cruise on out into the James River? There's waves and storms and he could break down or he could get lost. And the man in our neighborhood that Hudson purchased this jet ski from said, yeah, what are you going to do in a year when he takes your car? you got to learn to let Hudson get lost and break down. And you know what's amazing? Hudson can change spark plugs now and gas lines. He's learned to get help when his jet ski breaks down, and he's learned to provide help when other people's jet skis break down. He's navigated some crazy storms on the river, and he always comes back on time and says, I made it home. As a parent, my inclination was to protect him, and I don't want him to get hurt. But Paul says, you gotta grow them up. You gotta move them to independence. And so, as parents, I encourage you to have that dialogue, whether your kid's two or 20 or 40. What are we doing to promote that? How is our parenting style leaning one way or the other? I read a great parenting book of a pediatrician. She raised all boys, and so I was interested in the book because I have all boys. And she said, "I love it when kids come to the office with a broken arm because they were climbing a tree. Are we going to let our kids get hurt? Are we let them going to take risks? Are we going to let them challenge things and do things on their own and debrief it with them so we can raise independent adults?" Paul continues. "Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord." Again, Paul gives us something to balance discipline and instruction. It sounds very much like what it is. Discipline is a word for punishment, boundaries, chastening. You know, telling a kid you were wrong and this is the consequence for it. Discipline. And on the other side, Paul talks about instruction. This is a word that gets to counseling and dialogue and and, and conversations about truth and life. And the truth is, is that as parents, sometimes we can come down too strong on one side or the other. We come down too rigid, too much discipline, too many consequences. And that builds that resentment and frustration in our, ch- in our children... And if we're honest, we have to ask ourselves, why would we be so hard on our kids? Why would we be so much into punishment and consequences? And maybe, maybe it's because we're we're nervous that our child will reflect poorly upon us in our community. Maybe it's we're worried that if our child's not perfect, we're not perfect. The truth is we're not. So we have to be careful not to over-discipline. But on the other side is that over-instruction, that over-counsel, that movement in society that says, let's not tell our kid no. Let's not get our, give our kid boundaries. Let's them, let them discover themselves. You know what all the long-term studies are saying? Those kids end up as frustrated and angry as the ones that had parents that were too harsh. Now, this is a balancing act. Whereas parents, we walk in the middle between discipline and instruction. And sometimes we don't want to discipline our kid because we we want them to like us. We want to be liked so badly by our children that we're scared to say, hey, I'm taking your phone for a week. Or there's no more video games for you. Or whatever that consequence may be. But parents, we have to discipline our children. We have to find that balance between discipline and instruction. And so as parents, whether you have a two-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 40-year-old, where are you balancing this reality between discipline and instruction? But Paul goes on Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here Paul brings it all full circle. He says, parents, this isn't about your discipline or your instruction. This is about God's design. This is about Scripture's instruction. And so Paul says, if you want your children to obey your parents, hey, parents, you better be obeying Jesus. That Jesus says in Scripture, if you love me, you'll obey me. This is the full circle reality of parenting, that Paul says, children, obey your parents. And now he says, parents, obey Jesus. Questions we have to ask ourselves, am I living out my faith In my home? Am I talking about my faith in my home? If you're just waiting for church to teach your kid about Jesus, I gotta tell you, you have your kid more than we do. You have to do this too. You have to be able to tell your kids about Jesus in your own life, how he's moving and working and growing you. And you have to model this in your life. You have to model obedience to Jesus Christ in how your family operates and what you do, and how you spend your money, and your time, and your energy. So often as a youth pastor and a family pastor, I have families come into the church and say, I don't understand why my child's doing these things. I wish they would do what the Bible says. And so often I have to be honest and say, are you doing what the Bible says? If we're living any way we want to be living... Our kids will live any way they want to live. They need to see the discipline and the instruction of the Lord worked out and lived out in our own lives. I got to be honest, I was... Even sitting on the front row as we were singing this morning going, how, how do I button this sermon up all perfectly? How do I, I tie a nice bow? Can I come back to the messy couch with all the, the juice snack wrappers in it? You know, how do I, I do this? And, and here's the reality of parenting. Here's the reality of relationships with our parents. I don't think there's ever a pretty bow we put on top. I don't think it ever gets tied up Perfectly. No, I think it's this lifelong messy struggle of, of learning to love sacrificially, learning to honor our parents, learning to balance discipline and instruction with our kids. But I keep coming back to Paul's primary principle in Ephesians. Right, he says in Ephesians 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. See, Paul's primary principle comes true. That when we experience the sacrificial love of Jesus, we can now live sacrificially. That when obedience feels just too hard, we remember that Jesus was obedient to his Father and moved towards the cross as he prayed in the garden. When we feel like forgiving is just too hard, that there's just too much to forgive in that relationship with our parents, we remember that Jesus Christ forgave us. And he's forgiven them. When we feel like we're out of patience as a parent, dealing with the same things over and over again, we're reminded that Jesus patiently moved towards the cross when we feel like we've created too big a mess, that we're too far along to fix it now, we remember that Jesus came to make order out of the chaos, to make all things right and new. When we feel like there's no way to do this any longer, we're reminded that Jesus made a way. That as we consider the relationships between parents and children and children and parents, we are reminded that when we experience the sacrificial love of Jesus, we can begin to love sacrificially. As I held on to Ephesians this week, I came to that famous benedictory verse in chapter 3 that says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, then all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I pray that Jesus would work in our parent and child relationships, that we would understand the sacrificial nature of Jesus Christ in our own life and that would move us to see him do more than we could ever ask and imagine in the relationships between our parents and our children.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we are excited to help you connect to Christ and His community. Have a blessed day.